This is Mouth Media Network, the business of being heard. Hi, uh, I'm Ivan Bojali, CEO of Bold Commerce. And what I love about retail is as a consumer, the innovation that's happening, the definition of what buying means and the experiences that you get to experience is, is uh, very exciting. Uh, I think just the, the transformation you're seeing online, uh, or not even just online, every touch point, every interaction that I have with brands, um, those experiences mean something. It's, uh, you know, what we're seeing these brands do and how they're, they're transforming their companies. Um, you know, shopping's become very enjoyable and, and the opportunity for what's to come, to me, that's exciting as a consumer. I like, I'm, I'm loving what I'm, what I'm seeing. Uh, it's exciting and uh, so much opportunity ahead too. So. From New York City, you're listening to Retail is Your Business. Covering the intersection of innovation and business in the retail industry. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Retail is Your Business. I love how I said that, Rebecca. Retail is your business. Retail. That's how we should. Maybe we should roll the R. Retail. Make it proper. Make it fancy. A little Tony the Tiger there or something. I know. Retail. Uh, Anyway, I'm Mark Rako. Welcome to the show, everybody. And uh, that other voice you hear, not my voice. It's Rebecca Fitz. Hi, Rebecca. Hi, Mark. How are you? You know, I'm, I am doing okay. I'm, uh, I've been a little underwater lately with projects, but, uh, I actually was thinking this weekend, I'm like, I may have a window. I may go somewhere. I may go outside. I may go somewhere. Um, but I did the other day. I did go down to the West Village and walk around a little bit because Mouth Media Network, which produces this show, we have uh, something called Story Dot, which is uh, provides embedded audio stories on a, a customizable mobile web page. And we partnered with a very cool nonprofit called Art on the Ave. NYC, which puts uh, artwork for local artists in empty storefronts, and they've done this in the West Village. So I went down there for their kind of launch, if you will, and to kind of walk around and take a look. And it was anyway, in addition to that being very cool, it was just nice to sort of walk around a little retail area and look at the stores. And I haven't done that in a while, to be honest with you. So that's awesome. And you know, that's in the neck of the woods for some leap stores. So you're giving me a great excuse to also break out of my house. And uh, it's a beautiful day here in New York and get some vitamin D and go check this out as well. Yeah. And, and those that are curious about it, by the way, I hadn't intended on talking about this, but since I did, it's uh, if you want to check it out, it's artontheavenyc.com, I believe is the website to check out the details. Anyway, I'm glad you're doing well, Rebecca. I'm doing good. And I am excited for our guest today. Not only is he a cool cat, but we get to talk about something we never talked about. So first of all, let me welcome Yvonne Bougely to the show. I love being able to fake French accent myself here with someone's That's, name did i say that right yvonne uh, that sounds great actually okay better than what i've heard in a long oh, time but, hey <laughs> i aim to please i aim to please anyway good welcome to the show and it's very nice to meet you yeah nice to meet you thank you so yvonne i have a bit of a confession to make and that is that in all of the Gosh, I don't know what the count is, but I'm going to estimate somewhere in the neighborhood of around 1,500 episodes of different shows we've done on Mouth Media Network over the last six and a half years. 
I do not recall a single time in which, shockingly, honestly, we've ever had a conversation with any guest about headless commerce. So much have we missed the boat on that. That's confession number one. But confession number two, other than that gross negligence, is that I wasn't entirely sure what it was and had to do a little research in advance of our interview. I had an idea, but I needed to get it straight. And uh, I am fully confessing that I am under the bus here. I'm throwing myself under the bus that I did not understand this. So, uh, Rebecca, is this is headless commerce something you knew? I did not. And you probably did even more due diligence than I did. I'm just going to turn right into the class clown here. (laughs) Headless horseman, headless shopping. (laughs) I mean, let's let's get into it. Uh, Educate me. (laughs) So, Professor Bougely, would you kindly take a moment And for those uh, of us under the bus like Rebecca and I and anyone else that's listening, could you indulge us and educate us on what this thing called headless commerce is and what we've been missing out on? Or maybe we know it and we just didn't know the name. Yeah, I mean, the the whole concept, the term, I I mean, I'm not a a fan. I don't know how many people actually like calling it headless commerce. But yeah, I mean, even for myself, like, I I mean, I really only kind of heard about it before, but you know, only two, two and a half years ago is when, you know, it started picking up some, some momentum. And the concept is, is really disconnecting the back end from the front end. I mean, that's really it. In, in the essence of headless, it's disconnecting. So it's, it's all API based, your, your technology is built and API based. So you can rebuild your front end however you want. There's no limitations. There's no templating. It's wide open. And so as a brand, as a retailer, your imagination's your limit. Like that's it. You talk about all these touch points happening, and, and that's why it's picking up, right? That's why it's gaining so much momentum and attention. It's these large retailers are trying to find out ways of differentiating their brand from everybody else, and this just opens it up. So that, that at its core is really it. It just takes away the UI from the platform. Got it. Got or it. Or the system. Got it. Can we talk about your company and what it does since your company is called... Bold Commerce. Tell us exactly what Bold Commerce does. Our journey started on Shopify, actually. So it's been a, a crazy kind of ride over the last uh, nine, ten years. But we started on Shopify back when you know I, I don't want to you know we don't have to do the whole <laughs> founder story, but um, no, it's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah thinking, exactly. Yeah. I thought you were going to say you didn't want to date yourself. Lay it on us. <laughs> <laughs> so we started on Shopify, and the reason I, I you know I claim that is you know we started back when they had twenty five thousand stores. So really grew with the platform and we always lived in the ecosystem the 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 app marketplace and and that's really where you know what bold was known for over the years we built up to 35 different products and and at its core bold was built on the thesis that it wanted to make our merchants our brands more money that's really it we actually started with an e-commerce store actually that's how we started so every product we built was a way for our brands to make more money and then over the years we just realized hey we're we're actually pretty good at building products. And now where we are today is with everything happening in headless and, and really this exponential kind of change, this, whatever's happening over COVID, consumer behavior changing, everybody's moving to more of a modular approach. You know, they don't have to change the whole thing. And, and you're, you're seeing kind of almost like a deconstruction of a platform, or, or at least there's some categories that are breaking through. So you've got your CMS, your order management. Um, there's a lot of really cool technology. And over the years, what we found is we we actually built a suite of products that elevate the checkout experience. 
And so, you know, Bold's well known for our subscriptions, our pricing apps. Uh, we do have a checkout product and memberships, a lot of products that revolve around the checkout experience. And so that's where we are today. And, and we're thinking about how do we take those the modular products that they're all headless, so you can change whatever you want in the UI and, and build these amazing experiences and, and let's call it great timing. You've got this proliferation of all these touch points happening. And the one experience that needs to be consistent through all those touch points is the checkout. And so that's really where Bold lives and, and what we're trying to do. We're trying to elevate that, that experience for all the brands. And I'm assuming that this is a little formulaic, but it always helps me wrap my head around things, no pun intended, is <laughs> Mark didn't even crack a smile. What are, I, what are I you was doing laughing. Over there? I, I, was, I was not surprised by your wit at all, Rebecca. So. <laughs> anyway, um, as a consumer, and again, too formulaic because I always mention that I'm a gold medal shopper, but on the consumer side, I'm assuming I'm not feeling really much of a change. So this probably isn't a good example. So reroute me. I'm shopping online. My credit card information is in my computer. And so a lot of times when I'm shopping for something, when I go to check out, one of my credit cards will come up. And the one cool thing is where I just put my finger on my Mac and it populates it via kind of a Google thing. And I'm not going to lie, I enjoy that. I, you know, I obviously feel secure in, in my shopping. So as far as headless commerce goes, unified shopping, do I feel any of it as the consumer or is that an example of it? Or is it really this is on the back end where e-commerce is really feeling at the most? Yeah. So, I mean, I think we're talking about two slightly different things, but same. So headless commerce, let's, let's talk about that for a bit. Headless commerce is really, as a consumer, you're going to get these really delightful experiences. Things are going to be seamless for you. Performance is going to be amazing because it's, there's no template, like it, whatever you want to build as a, an experience, you don't have to follow a certain way of building. And so you're going to do it in the best way where you have the best performance. As a consumer, you're going to feel that it's going to be a great experience. Um, with headless, there are, like I said, there are no limits on how you interact with your consumers. And so, you know, you're locked down. You're not going into stores. All of a sudden that, that channel that you used to sell through is gone. And so what other channels can we discover? What, what other channels do you engage with, right? So there's TV, there's there's video, there's, you know, social. You're, you're seeing that all over the place now. And so with a headless stack, you can actually build these great experiences. Like I got, you know, it's, it's a matter of time that you can buy stuff through mirror and through your exercise equipment. And, you know, we've, we've been talking about it. How cool is that? Right. We've been talking about it for how many years? Yeah. Yeah. It, it opens it up now. I mean, the ability to build these really engaging experiences through all of those different touch points is now very much possible. It's not just stitched together. It's, it's one technology stack that can manage all those experiences and so it's not a headache to do that as much, right? So it's it's really unifying all those experiences, and and yeah, imagination is your limit. Like that's what, what do you want? How do you want to interact with your consumers? And right, and it down? sounds what you're describing, which is very cool. And on the front end, I am getting some cool customer experiences, but that you're no longer limited to kind of your just clunky website, and that you have to make sure it integrates on the back end with all this other stuff. I love the mirror example, by the way. It's funny. We, uh, my husband and I go to a gym and they have a shopping area and he 
is a shopper because it's right there and you're like, oh, these are dirty workout clothes. Here's some clean ones at new mm -hmm. in front of me. And if you're doing a mirror workout, you're kind of missing having that element. But it sounds like you won't be missing it for long. And I bet lots of people will go for it if there's a great Viore or Bandier or whatever it is on there and they'll click or not click. I always think of it as point of interest. Like that's mm -hmm. kind of what I think of it. It's like at the point of interest, can you offer a product to buy? And it's when you're engaging with your, your brand, you know, why, why can't that become a shoppable moment? Mm -hmm. And so uh, you're going to start seeing that. I think, I think it was very futuristic a year ago. I think COVID now has changed that, that behavior and the expectation. And so you're going to see a lot of that happening, I think in the next uh, few years here. So uh, it's pretty exciting. Yeah, and it would naturally push up your performance or your revenues as an actual retailer or e-commerce person or e-commerce company, which, by the way, I have to say, i a little bit in this world, but on the physical side, and some of the biggest downfalls are we've talked to a brand, they're ready to do retail, and where you're not going to have a repeat customer in doing stores is that they're going to get in there and they're not going to make money. And from the biggest level to the smallest level, you know, that is the, the, the point of it. So even if you're a small product and you go into neighborhood goods, but you don't make money, that's going to be the hardest part. So that should be music to whoever's listening ears if you're, you're in this category for sure. Yvonne, is there a particular industry that you found this plays best with, this is the most useful to, or or it's the most obvious integration? Yeah, like, so, I, I, no, I don't think it's industry specific. I mean, I think, like, I mean, Headless is not for everybody. Let's just put that out there. Headless is, is way more complex. It's a longer dev cycle, but it allows a bunch of flexibility. And so I think for the right brand, the right retailer that's that's willing to leverage the technology, not just build a website, but leverage that technology for online and in-store experiences, right? Like you, you can bridge that gap very easily with headless and, and then expand on that. So what, what does the future hold? How, how do I increase, you know, revenue sources and channels and stuff like headless just kind of opens the door, right? So I, I would say it's not for everybody at all. It's for the ones that are, are looking to differentiate and, and, and set themselves up for the future. I mean, COVID, if COVID hasn't woken people up, you know, imagine if we we didn't go through this transition 10 years ago with video and streaming, <laughs> everybody would be locked up and you can't even rent the movie. And uh, so it's the same thing, point. right? It's like large retailers need to wake up, which I think they have. COVID's forced everybody to. And what does the future hold for retail? I'm not, I'm not going to make a claim that stores are, I think, I think stores is a, a powerful shopping experience. You know, I think there's a lot of stores that are actually reimagining what in store looks like and those experiences are actually becoming great and it's, it's actually, they're upping the game and, but that's going to be one of the channels, right? And so you got that, you've got online, you know, your website, and then what are all those channels that are opening up and you've, you're seeing it, you're seeing social, like I said, IOT, I think now is not a futuristic thing. It's, it's going to be more normal because that's how people are engaging with your brand. Now, the information that we received from Bold Commerce was talking about, you know, it's the ability to give shoppers the capability to purchase on any digital channel. Uh, unpack that a little bit. I'm not saying that isn't true, but how can that be true? Is it that here is the API, if you choose to integrate into your channel, it'll work? Or is it just that it's so malleable that it really can work with any digital channel? So how is that claim possible when 
every digital channel has its own set of coding and its own set of way, way it's gone about things. And some have APIs, some don't and so forth. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the key is it's possible. I mean, it okay. depends on your unique circumstances. We'd have to like maybe look at every, every example possible, but, but if you think about it, I mean, why don't you have one checkout that manages your in-store kiosks and your online store and your social? Because your loyalty points is connected to it, your credit card, your your payment gateway, your shipping rules, your you know, your taxes, everything's all connected to your checkout. So why recreate that experience for all the different channels that you manage? And so that's really what we're getting at. At yeah. essence, it's you can you can integrate. We're, we're you know we're already having those conversations about integrating into in-store kiosks with the same checkout they use for online, mm-hmm. which becomes really powerful. And then even to take that a step further, what does an ad campaign look like, right? And, and can you now have a different checkout experience mm-hmm. with an ad campaign? All your technology is already connected to the checkout, so it's not a matter of reinventing anything and refiguring how to integrate into your backend. But you can build up a different flow because it's headless and now you can reimagine that ui for that one experience it's pretty powerful uh but yeah i mean that statement is true you know for the most part depending on you know if you've got some maybe you're on the legacy system and it's impossible but yeah but maybe it's time to upgrade too so (laughs) right right have you taken a look at story dot yet every brand and every product has a story to tell And you can't successfully sell that brand or product without telling the story. StoryDot delivers your story wherever you want it to be heard. You can meet your customers at each point in their journey, connecting the dots between your business and the consumer to enhance engagement, experience, and conversion. I encourage you to take a look at StoryDot at StoryDot.com. That's S-T-O-R-I-D-O-T.com. So I am curious if you are able to to kind of talk about a customer or customers that are working with Bold using Headless, just to give us an idea, because it sounds like, yes, it could be for everybody. And you, you, these are, you know, your words, but it's about someone who certainly wants to put in the resources. So just to kind of wrap our heads around it a little more. Yeah, sure. We got a few good examples, but I think it's worth mentioning too on headless. Like I think headless is a technology that actually writes the ship today. I, I think it, it allows brands to get back on track to where they need to be for the future. And you're starting to see it. You're starting to see these CMS or these front end management systems pop up that actually creates drag and drop ability with headless. So the idea of a low code headless front end, I think is is just a matter of time. So that being said, I right now, a great example is Harry Rosen, the Canadian fashion brand in Canada, built up a full headless solution. And what's probably going to be a little bit surprising here is they actually picked Bold because we actually have a out-of-the-box checkout solution. And so they came to us to get speed to market. And so we actually launched with them with a out-of-the-box checkout with the idea that we're innovating for the future and we're going to move to headless over time and start to adapt to all these different scenarios that we're talking about. So a lot of that work's already in progress. Uh, we've launched with them a, a long time ago. It's been six, six to eight months ago now, but now we're, we're actually talking about, you know, what's that next phase look like. And so we're building these, 
you know, great experiences through our headless checkout and taking that step. So just to give you an example, I mean, it doesn't always have to be all at once, but now it gives you option, optionality. That's why they came to us and they're excited about kind of the, the next few things that we're, we're launching together. So, you know, another one would be Staples Canada. I mean, they, they leverage our, our checkout for their business. And what's really neat about Staples Canada, they have this best of breed approach and they picked like the best technology for their business to put together and built a great shopping experience. And so they're using Shopify Plus, they're using Bold Checkout, they're using uh, Contentful, they have OrderBot for their OMS. They really pick the best technology. And I think that's another big strength of Headless is making these things connect and you can now pick the best pieces that that really supports your brand and your business and, and get the experience. So um, those are a couple of examples. Or there's a lot more kind of in the works. And then from there, what's really cool, spoiler alert, I guess we're launching this now, the whole concept about A-B testing a checkout. You know, that was a concept that everybody shied away from. And we're actually building the tools to make this part of your business. And so nobody's going to argue that A-B testing is not important. Now, why are you not doing that in your checkout? Why are we not optimizing that experience? Because that's the other half. Everybody's thinking about the CMS and the front end. Oh man, I'm going to increase conversion and search and, and all that great experience stuff. But they're missing the other half, which is the actual part where we engage in, in, and build a relationship, a long-term relationship with your consumer, right? It's, it's that, that, at that checkout, it's that trust factor. It's, you know, it's the long-term, like it, we, you know, there's so many ways we do subscriptions. So we've got a great subscription platform. Uh, subscriptions is to me, a way to build long lasting relationships with your consumers. And so when you can stitch all that together, when you, when you build that great experience and that just kind of opens the door. And, and again, with the checkout Staples Canada, perfect example, we actually layer it in our B2B pricing into that, that platform. So it's one store that manages all of it. And it just becomes so powerful. It's one tech stack that manages all these different channels, all these different ways of buying and shopping, and you can customize all those experiences for different people. Again, it's great to, to work with some, some very innovative companies that are excited about changing the way things are done. Ivan, can you unpack a little bit, walk us through like a, a sample A-B testing scenario, how that would unfold? We're beta testing this right now, rolling it out with a couple of brands, and we're starting small, but the idea is we can control, I mean, like I said, A-B testing is not new. Everybody should be doing this already. So if you're wondering what A-B testing is, I mean, we sh you got you to gotta Google that. <laughs> um, no, no, I know what A-B testing is, but I wanted to see I, how... It wasn't for you. It wasn't. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I, but I, you know. Yeah, it would be scary if somebody didn't. They, they exactly. really need to get it's to the program. Like, <laughs> I was trying to understand how that would unfold in a checkout situation. Yeah. So, I mean, we're, we're doing a whole bunch of stuff. So, I mean, again, the idea of a checkout that can adapt to different scenarios, you know, if you get your B2B layered in, can you give your loyal customers always come back a different checkout than somebody that doesn't, right? Does, does a, a first time buyer need a loyalty points program? Once they buy, they do, but before do they? And so, you know, it depends on how you, do you get somebody through your checkout because of a promotion? Are you doing an ad campaign, gets them to a product with a promotion, not very profitable. So maybe that, that checkout experience should have a full upsell funnel before the checkout. You want to add a little bit of friction, increase the average order value, and then check out and then build that. You know, it depends. I, I don't know if that's the right answer for that, but we can start doing that, right? With A-B testing, you can test those different theses that you have and theories. 
And that's really the, in the essence, what we're, what we're trying to do. And so we're doing some small stuff, which is just moving stuff around, but we're also attacking these really large, interesting scenarios where we know, you know, because they've, they've logged in, we know they're a returning customer. We can actually change the experience or we we're, we're doing a checkout through an ad. Well, that's a different customer and a different ICP that's coming into your platform. And so, you know, there's, there's different ways you can behave because of that. And so we can test all of that. That's the exciting part. It's, it's not just let's throw something out and hope it works. It's let's try it. Let's try a few things and, and let's make sure that it works. And, and so that's, that's what I get excited about because it's uh, just this whole concept of A-B test. We actually started with an agency, uh, Bold Commerce. So we had a full team, did managed services. We did some great work around conversion rate optimization and A-B testing. That's actually what we were built on in the early stages. So we took those, that skill set and those people in our business that, that actually have done that over the years. And we've never been able to do it in the checkout. Like us as a company, we've never been able. And so this concept that we're opening it up, even for us, it's it's very exciting. I'm excited to share that with all the other partners that we have that they can now do it. And so it just becomes very powerful and exciting, I guess, where we can go with it. On that note of A-B testing, you know, just thinking about two different approaches to something kind of makes me think about the different kinds of people that you need to approach with an industry. Some are going to be more quote, woke, unquote, maybe of a younger generation and kind of get this right off the bat. And then some are going to be, you know, maybe more um, legacy leadership, old guard, thinking about things in traditional ways. How is your approach different between those two camps? Do you have kind of two different sales pitches, if you will, or elevator pitches, depending on what kind of audience, you know, how, how do you connect with those two different audiences? Yeah, again, I, I don't think you need to attack the whole thing at once, right? So I, I think what's really interesting about this idea that there's leaders and categories happening is you don't need to do a full replatforming anymore, right? Like we can actually take our checkout and put it on top of whatever platform you're on today. And let's start with that. Let's elevate your experience there and then move from there. And like I said, we actually start with out of the box checkout. It doesn't have to be complex. It doesn't have to be a, a long-term build or whatever. Let's get you something that elevates that whole experience that brings you up to the expectations of your consumers today. But now you have optionality. Now you can, you can move forward. So that's a little bit how we approach it. It's, it doesn't, you don't have to chew the whole thing. Let's take smaller bites. Let's get through every piece. And then as we start proving that these are the steps we want to take, we can, we can go further with it. And so that's, you know, I encourage that for everybody, to be honest. I mean, we've got some really innovative brands that we work with that have the same approach. I mean, even though they see it, they already get it. You know, they don't want to go all in already. They just want to, let's fix the business we have today. And then, all right, how do we improve it? How do we get better? How do we make it bigger? And so that's, that's really how we, we think about it going into different retailers and brands. Got it. Thank you. It makes perfect sense to me, and it is. It does seem like it's pushing the envelope to begin to to test that way. Yvonne, I'll kind of close with this question for you: What do you think is possible once headless commerce becomes more the way of the world? As it gets wider adoption, what do you think that's going to lead to as next generation commerce? You're basically, what are you tipping up at the net that someone else is going to spike from there? I think it really is how far do we want to go with, you know, the future of commerce? I think headless kind of breaks down all the barriers that you used to have. And and I, like I said, I'm in a, 
non-headless platforms are going to have a place. They're easier to set up, especially when, you know, SMB, mid-market, some enterprise, they don't need that flexibility, that complexity. And those platforms will actually solve their needs. Headless for others, though, is going to just open it wide open. And, mm -hmm. and I think as people push towards this new kind of new experiences, I mean, there's so much, you, you think about everybody selling online now and even cost for per click and ads and, and the spend and, you know, it's getting expensive. How do you separate yourself? How do you change the game a little bit so that you puts you ahead? And, and I think that's what this does. And I, I'm excited for you. Like I said, how do we build all these engaging experiences through all, all these new innovations that are happening yeah, curbside I, to me, curbside, I'm always going to order most of my groceries curbside. I think maybe my produce, I might go in. I still haven't seen a store that's figured that out yet. Make sure that I'm getting the right produce, but I'm going to pick up everything. Anything else in boxes, deliver it to my car. I'm going to go in, pick up my produce. That experience to me, that's, that's really grown this year, needs so much innovation. Can you sell something to somebody sitting in their car? Your only interaction with that brand now is the person that's delivering your groceries to your car. Why have we not thought about ways of making that a a pleasant experience. And so, or when you're unpacking your groceries, you, what should you be feeling and seeing and, and, and looking at when you unpack those groceries? So I, I like, I think there's just this new wave of innovation is going to come because of the ability with headless and adding all these new consumer exp, uh, experiences. Again, like I said, mirror yeah. Peloton, I mean, it's, it's just a matter of time. You're going to start seeing that and it's, it's going to go from there and it's going to snowball. Yeah. So that's what I'm excited about. I, I think there's going to be lots of innovation soon and as a consumer. It's exciting. You know, how great is it when you walk in a nice restaurant restroom and there's someone there with perfume and cologne and lotion and they'll shine your shoes? And I mean, it turns an everyday activity that doesn't have to be pleasant per se into, into something that makes you feel special. So it seems like there's almost everything else we do in commerce should be able to have the ability to be amped up like that, mm -hmm. whether it's physically or digitally. All right. This seems like the perfect spot. Speaking of amping up, to say uh, a farewell a little bit to the business chat and hello to the personal chat as we get to know Yvonne as a human being with a round of personal questions right after this. Culture starts at the top and great customer experience the only competitive strategy in today's world is fueled by great leadership. We hear and read this every day, but many brands don't drive customer-first strategy. For those at the top who want to make that leap but don't know how, we'll learn from leaders who share what you must do to become customer-centric. I am Liliana Petrova, and this is The One Thing. The One Thing Customer Experience from the Top is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever the best podcasts are found. Okay, Rebecca, it's time to uh, get to know Yvonne a little bit more. Are you going to lead off or am I? I'm going to leave it to your direction here. I will lead off. All right, go for it. 
Yvonne, I sense a little bit of a Canadian accent. And so I'm wondering if that is where you sit out of and uh, is your citizenship for one. And number two of it is, I love Canada. And what would you recommend when the borders allow Americans back in that I would go and do there once I can get my travel on? Oh, interesting. So yes, I am Canadian. Good call. It's it's funny when somebody can can recognize your accent yeah. like that. I, I always you don't really realize it. I but caught that too. Yeah, 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 cool. Yeah, I'm excited for the borders to open up too. So we actually have an Austin office, and oh, I cool. haven't been in down there for a year and year and a bit now. So excited to make my way down there again uh, and see the team. So I'm in Manitoba. So I'm I'm in central Canada. Like I'm right in the right in the middle. Mm-hmm. You know, if you come to Manitoba, I mean, what we have is is just beautiful nature. I mean, so I've got a cottage and I actually started ice fishing this year because of lockdown and no travel and whatever. It's not usually something, but I, I actually just really enjoyed going into, I would normally never go during the winter. And this year I spent a lot of time at the cottage during the winter. And, uh, you know, that opened my eyes. It's, it's, it's really cold. <laughs> You'll get that. But, uh, <laughs> as long as you, you know, you got to enjoy every season to me, you yes. know, it's, it's all relative. We've got the cold winters and the really hot summers. And to me, it's, you get to experience every season, which is awesome. But yeah, I know if you're coming to Manitoba, you're, you're going to the lakes. So we've got tons of lakes in Manitoba. It's just a beautiful place to be in the summer and hopefully borders are opening up soon. So you can enjoy the summer in Manitoba. I, Winter, if you're not used to the cold, it's not a nobody's a fan. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Let me ask you something. I'm originally from uh, Rochester, New York, and we have a saying in Rochester that's probably true in other places. I want to ask you if it's true in Manitoba, which is if you don't like the weather in Rochester, wait a minute, because it changes on a dime so often. You know, it'll be um, 60 degrees at 10 in the morning, sunny, and by three o'clock, it's snowing. You know, so is Manitoba like that? Does it, especially with the lakes around, does it? You get the lake effect weather and stuff like that? No, not really. We get really cold in winter. We get really hot in summer. And you get the middle between spring and fall. So I will say we are having some weird winters now. I mean, we, we're getting some heat spells. And, and all of a sudden now we're, we're, our snow has melted in March, which is which is a little odd. So a little bit of that kind of stuff. But no, usually, you know, if it's if it's cold, it's cold. And if it's hot, it's hot. I'm a nature lover and grew up on Lake Champlain and very close to Montreal. And oh. I, I, so the cold is not <laughs> uh, foreign to me, although I've lived in New York now long enough that it has. But I do think I recall being on the streets of Montreal and being like, is it 18 below? And it probably really was. So I think Canada cold is like in a different bucket yeah, than, than, really than other kinds <laughs> <Yeah>. of cold. <laughs> that could just be yeah, me. I just remember some of, some of the guys from Austin that came up to Winnipeg in the middle of January and it was you know first stop was the yeah. store to get a uh, winter jacket I was still say, wasn't cold, wasn't warming up their, their blood <laughs> must have been really thin coming from Austin but Austin is certainly a cool town so great, great place for an office I can't wait for you to to go and visit it's a great great city yeah. all right my question is and uh, Rebecca I, I realize that we have gone the entirety of this episode without touching on the pandemic, a new record for us. Totally new sign. record. It it's is a, a good, good sign. sign. But I'm, I'm going to ruin that by asking a <laughs> pandemic-related question. Yvonne, my question is, during the course of the pandemic, what personal either achievement or – so, so I'm going to give you a choice of one of three things, or you can talk about all whatever. What's a personal achievement that you've made? 
unrelated to business, or what's a new hobby that you've picked up that you're kind of surprised about, or what is a guilty pleasure that you've allowed yourself to get involved with that probably wouldn't have happened otherwise. So you get to choose. Okay. I mean, I got two right off the top of my head. I mean, so I I kind of already mentioned it, the ice fishing. I'm not, I don't fish. I'm not a fisherman. It's something I've never really done. Usually when I'm on the lake, I've got four kids. So we're usually tubing or or skiing or something. And I don't usually do the fishing thing. So that was, that was interesting this year. I did did the fishing, which I actually enjoyed quite a bit. Yeah, no, I I mean, I think that's, that's kind of the, one of the hobbies that I picked up the achievement. So actually, I mean, I don't really talk about this too much, but I actually lost 30 pounds over hey, the last wow. eight months. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. How, how did you do that? Oh, I found them, by the way. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, you know what? I just kind of looked at the scale one day and I said, you know what? It's time. <laughs> and then I got a, I bought a rower. So I just been, been oh. making sure you. I do it every night. You know what? And, if I had room in my yeah. apartment, I guess I could make room. I, I, in all honesty, I think that's one of the things that I would choose to do. Is a, like if I was picking a piece of exercise equipment, I, I think that's what I would get because I like that. Yeah. Good for you. Way yeah, congrats. Your health is your wealth. So, uh, yeah. and yeah. it's interesting though. The the pandemic definitely was a dichotomy of one direction or the other on the weight. Although I kind of did both. I started out eating a lot of bread and cheese and drinking wine and watching TV every night. <laughs> and then when I felt like we we were gonna you know come out of it and I was gonna see well, somebody's people, gonna I, see I me the other way. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Funny thing about ice fishing, by the way, I just have to say, unrelated to your story, but I don't get to say this very often. So when I was in college, my college had wonderful academic programs, but their physical education requirement was rather loose. So my phys ed requirements included classes like, uh, well, volleyball was one, but there was skeet and trap was one of them. And then the other was ice fishing, believe it or not. And it happened to be held in a semester in which we had a rather warm spell. So every Saturday morning, we would gather in the college alumni building the professor or whatever he was would take the attendance and then let us sit there for a while. And then we would leave because there was no ice to ice fish. <laughs> and finally the literal last class of the semester, there was ice, but we hadn't learned anything yet because we hadn't gone out yet. So all we did was go to the ice fishing place and watch him ice fish as he showed us because there was nothing. We didn't know anything. So that is the closest to ice fishing I've ever got. Yeah. Uh, we did bring flasks of brandy with us, though, so it was that. <laughs> there you go. Good for him. Good yeah. for him for finding a, a great, great job like that. Exactly. Having a bunch of kids or watching him fish. <laughs> and if you think about who – this was in Rochester, New York, as I mentioned. But if you think about what would a guy who found a job teaching ice fishing in, say, Minnesota look like? It is exactly who this guy was. So it's exactly what you would imagine. Anyway. All right. Well, uh, Yvonne, how can people find you and your company, connect with you, even reach out directly? Uh, Obviously, the easiest way is probably boldcommerce.com. Pretty much find everything there. LinkedIn, search for my name. It's pretty – not too many people with my name, so – Ivan Bujadi and and same thing with Twitter. So yeah, uh, and I should say just for those who don't spell that every day, it's Y V A N and the last name is B O I S J O L I. Just for all of you out there uh, who want to reach out. Anyway, thank you very much, Ivan. Uh, it was such a pleasure meeting you. Congratulations on getting on this horse that I think uh, you have a very very robust future ahead for your company as more and more people 
catch wind of this and understand how important it is. So thanks a lot for sharing it with us. Awesome. Thank you for having me. It's been great. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thank you very much for listening. We really, really appreciate it. Rebecca and I are just Rebecca and I and our guest without you. So as fun as that is, it's more fun with you. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Until then, for Rebecca Fitz. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening. I'm Mark Rico. Have a great day. Bye-bye. This has been Retail Is Your Business, produced by Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2020. Your brand message can be on this show. Email us to find out more at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Thank you for listening. This is Mouth Media Network. Audio for business.